Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Homemade Basics by Yvette Van Boeven. Hi, Johnny. Hey, good one. <laughs> you almost sounded Dutch there. <laughs> I nailed that one. <laughs> Yvette Van Boeven. <laughs> nice. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Uh, 16 days sober, according to the app on my phone. Yes. We haven't had a, dr- a drop of that devil's nectar all month in January here. And I don't even miss it. Yeah, how are you feeling? Good. I feel centered and healthy we've been eating vegetarian as well yeah uh we kind of we kind of pescatarian i would say yeah 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 um yeah we and we kind of just did like a little reset we were going we were going off the rails a little bit in december i'm still a little hungover from december personally (laughs) but feeling better yeah so and we've been uh i've been well we'll get to it i think you have self-care this is like self-care month for us yes um, you know, in many different ways. We'll get to that. You you, you take care of house cleaning real quick. All right. <laughs> I cleaned the house yesterday. Uh, welcome to episode 60 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, per usual, if you go to our website at wecookbooks.com, there you'll see a store tab, and that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. This is by far the simplest, easiest most immediate way to support what we're doing here at Tasty Pages headquarters. Um, there's a few lists there. There's a kitchen essentials for home cooks. There's a favorite cookbooks list uh, that I will definitely update before this goes live because there's a few recent ones that I think we should add to the mix. Absolutely. And then there's a fun food finds featuring the best original products that we love and use. Uh, we're not endorsed by any of these companies or brands. Uh, they're just things that we love and we think you will too. Best of all, it wouldn't cost you a penny more to make a purchase from these lists, but we get a little something in return, so it helps support what we do. Mm-hmm. There you go. I, you know what I added to the the fun food finds what? list? The um, organic mushroom kit that you got me for Christmas, oh, which is, yes. which is uh, you know going like crazy over there in the corner of our of our condo johnny's growing mushrooms yep. unfortunately they're not the fun kind no well they are fun they're <laughs> they're, they're pink oyster mushrooms mm-hmm. and we're going to do some kind of dish with it and feature it on our feed so and but if the point being if you want to grow your own mushrooms at home you not have to go forage out in the woods and deal with you know mosquitoes and uh Drunken hunters that might shoot you with a shotgun. Wild you, boars. You, wild boars, <laughs> always a possibility. Uh, you could just sit in the comfort of your own home 
while watching Project Runway and grow mushrooms. But you know what? I really do want to go foraging. I want to go forage for morels. I looked high and low for a morel growing kit, and I could not find one. I feel like if you stumbled upon some morels, you'd, you'd have to fight some other people for them, too. Probably, probably a but commodity. there is also another mushroom out there that looks exactly like a morel. That's deadly? Yes. Oh. We, we should probably, uh, you know, do a little research. Right. You know, just start picking be, things. Beyond just, like, looking something up in Wikipedia or something. Picking shit up off the forest floor and popping it in our mouths. Yep. Not going to end well. That's the surefire test. <laughs> Uh yeah um let's talk about what we just finished up okay M- Milk Street vegetables mm-hmm. Milk Street kitchen we're actually doing the final dish tonight which is it is well we're jumping ahead this is uh what's for dinner <laughs> <laughs> we, we can go home after this because this is the most important part of the show we are doing an inverted pizza. And the recipe calls for onions, potatoes, and thyme. So basically, you throw those ingredients down in a sheet pan. You cover it on top with some pizza dough. um, And then when it cooks in the oven, you flip it over and you've got your pizza. But we're kind of weird about putting potatoes on pizza. I will will never, ever be down with a potato There's two things that don't belong on pizza. Pineapple and potatoes. Correct. And so instead... We got to thinking of, you know, what ingredients would go well. And did we settle on pear? We're and, doing pear and red onion. Yeah. And a little thyme. bit of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thyme can stay. The onions and potatoes got to go. Yes. Agreed. From the recipe. So we're kind of making up our own <laughs> substitutions here. But I mean, we're doing the method. So, yeah. you know, it's a new method for us. I've never had an inverted pizza. I have not. Um, what do we got next up? Uh, on deck. N- next up, we are doing uh, Black Food by Bryant Terry. This has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. We received this book uh, during the holiday season. It's on Bryant Terry. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with him, we uh, Vegetable Kingdom mm-hmm. was our top pick for uh, cookbooks in 2020, I believe. Such a good book. Yes. Uh, definitely seek it out if you don't know it. But uh, since that time... He has launched his own book imprint called Four Color, which is, you know, focused on um, an important segment of cookbooks, which is like people of color. Mm-hmm. And Black Food is the first release on that. And it's kind of, um, how would you describe it? Like a collection of essays. Collection of essays, different recipes. There's some poetry in there. There's all kinds uh, of stuff. Music, yeah. the playlist, mm-hmm. which was in Vegetable Kingdom, which we really enjoyed. Um so all and kinds of stuff. And it's m- mostly vegetarian, pescatarian, definitely. Yeah. Um, Not just a cookbook. Which is... I mean, you could you could curl up and read this on the couch. Yes. Well, it's funny because like some of the authors of books that we've worked out of, like Zoe Ajanya and Lazarus Lynch, have contributions in the book. Yes. So it's like... Getting to revisit some old pals, yep. which is, you know, I love it. And we're actually going to cook from it. We're going to cook some of the recipes, and there's enough, like you said, within the pages that we can stick to our, like, vegetarian January. I tell and, you, and this, have some this, good meals. this time of the year is really good because there are so many uh, vegetarian, plant-based focused books that come out and becoming more and more common we've received several of them that we're going to be working through um 
within the next coming weeks. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh, hey, I wanted to talk about this. This is something that you and I kind of discussed briefly prior to the show, but I was uh, online. Hold on. Wait, before you do that. Yeah. Let's tell everyone what we're drinking. Oh, yeah. Shrubs. <laughs> so you, you've been on a shrub kick lately. I have been on a shrub kick. I've made. For you want to tell people what shrubs are? Those in case of you who do not know, it's a concoction that you make that is fruits and herbs and spices. Um, I've done like a nectarine, star anise, a strawberry peppercorn, mango hibiscus, which is what I'm drinking right now. Um, Johnny is drinking a rhubarb ginger cardamom, and yes. It is delicious. I did use frozen rhubarb. Yep. I was so happy to find frozen rhubarb at our grocery store. The, the window of time when you can get it fresh and in season is very very slim mm-hmm. here in Minneapolis. So I I have no qualms about using frozen fruit. Um, I also made a strawberry rhubarb rose peppercorn, and I, today I just started a cherry thyme one and a pineapple jalapeno. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Not, not like the shrubs that you hide in when you're peeking in someone's window. <laughs> this is like totally different. And do they're you, so good. Do you have personal experience nope. with that, Balmer? <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you all are looking for an alternative to, you know, something, dry January. something to consume during dry January. And you could very easily add alcohol to these if you chose. Which we will be doing. Once yes. We, see, I think for us, it's like that ritual of like, it's nice to have something to drink at night. We've also been drinking a lot of tea. I mean, I drink so much tea in the first place, but just having that ritual of like drinking something in the yep. evening. Having having a beverage in your hand. Yes. I get it. Okay, so I so rudely interrupted you. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) That never (laughs) happens in this show. (laughs) All right, so I was online. Uh, Forbes published this list, nine trends that define food and dining in 2021. And, of course, this was kind of a weird year, and it was interesting to see some of the food and restaurant trends that emerged. And uh, I figured we'd just kind of go over this list really quick because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Let's go with number one on the list. All right, go ahead. Uh, Focus on black and indigenous people of color. Color? (laughs) Color. (laughs) Black and indigenous people of color, B-I-P-O-C, and women-owned businesses. Uh, We just talked previously about Bryant Terry and his new book imprint, but uh, more and more... Um, in food media, it seems like there's been attention paid and, and long overdue and well-deserved to representing different voices that aren't just old white guys. There's still a long way to go, though. Still work to do. Definitely something we could talk an entire t- uh, podcast about, but um, moving in the right direction. Yes. Um, you know, strangely, not represented rodents that cook. I thought, you know, I was hopeful after the release of Ratatouille, but it appears we still got work to do in that front. Yeah, I think that's just a one-off, so give up that dream. Oh, man. Uh, You want to talk about the next one? Yeah. um, Digitized service in restaurants, um, such as QR codes to download menus or pay for your meal, which um, lessens the interaction with servers. Basically, they are bringing out your food. It... um, 
it makes it much safer for you and them and blessed be the servers don't have to deal with assholes as much <laughs> well um, and a lot of restaurants are foregoing cash altogether yep. and just going you know like uh some form of digital payment whether that's credit card or you know using your phone um a lot of the restaurants that have made that pivot to delivery or carry out service are doing like contactless delivery so they'll just you know meet you outside to hand off the food or they'll you know put it on your doorstep when they deliver it um interesting to see good thing you know i don't think that's something that's going to revert back even after this pandemic passes any chance that a service worker gets to be abused by the general public a little bit less all for it because people are terrible and I guess kind of on a related note, you've been seeing a lot more restaurants moving to a format that's where the tip is already factored into the price or they just automatically add it on to your bill. So no tipping is required. And that allows them to pay their staff a living wage and some, in some cases provide uh, benefits to them. Paid vacation. Um, right, right. The things so. that you should have at a job. You know, uh, servers shouldn't be making $2 an hour. And Cooks shouldn't be making a measly $10 an hour while busting their ass for 13 hours a day. Speaking personally, I'm more than happy to pay the few extra bucks. Absolutely. To ensure that uh, people are treated fairly. Uh, Next up on the list... Ghost kitchens. Ooh. I know. Originally, I thought this they were referring to haunted kitchens. And then I started thinking of like, you know, like who would be uh, in these haunted kitchens like Mario Butali, Jeffrey Zaskarian, Bat Cora. Oh, so we're doing the horrible joke right now, I guess. Rocco DeSpirito wouldn't even have to change his name. <laughs> Guys, he just put the joke in right now. Oh, no, that was a bonus. Oh, okay. that's, that's a free one. Uh, I, but no, I, I wouldn't call it a bonus. What we're, what we're referring to is uh, multiple concepts inside a single facility. So you would you know, presumably place your order to pick up or delivery, and you could choose from a variety of different cuisines. But they're all being cooked in the same kitchen yeah well and it also allows say you have a restaurant that has um like a sandwich that they really like or they want to do sandwiches but it kind of doesn't get the room to shine on regular menu Mm -hmm. they can like set up their own little like online shop for sandwiches so that they can have like this opportunity to expand um into different areas but then again you also have like you could have some schmo being like i want to do japanese food and they have no idea what japanese is and you're gonna get some subpar bullshit uh, yeah yeah if, if you're being contrary i guess no i'm I, not I, i'm I totally the, not being contrary I, think I expect the bar to be set a little higher oh than i don't know about that one uh, okay I, <laughs> I i think people would be pretty quick to weed that stuff out and it's not going to last long just like if a restaurant a standalone restaurant was like pretty subpar um but uh-huh. the, the, the basic concept behind this is like culinary we work space yeah um so yeah all right uh what's next on the list hard seltzer i think we were ahead of the curve on this 
I I feel like hard seltzer has been around for a couple years. Like it's yeah. been trending for a couple years, but now if White now, Claw kind of popularized it, yeah, and now uh, now it kind of feels like everybody is in the seltzer game. Like you know, even Topo Chico, Topo Chico, like the beer companies are doing hard seltzers. If you go to a brewery, usually they will have. Um, uh, a hard seltzer on tap, or also and then it a kombucha. Looks like you're just drinking a glass of water. Yeah, but <laughs> eh. or they'll they'll have like I'm I'm always thrilled when I see a hard kombucha on tap. That that was the thing too is like now they're moving into like boozy teas, mm-hmm. uh, kombuchas. You got a variety. I, of stuff I'm a to big fan from. of the hard kombucha. I mean. I used to brew beer at a furious pace. I used to drink a lot of beer. We were just talking about this the other day, and I've completely switched over, especially in the summertime, to hard seltzers. Yeah. Like that's my drink of choice, especially like warmer weather. It's low in calorie. I don't feel as full after drinking a few of them. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a wall for beer. Like, if I'm not eating anything... Two is the maximum. Yes. If I'm having it with food, it's one. But it's funny, when we moved here, there are a bazillion uh, breweries that are like within a probably eight-minute walk or drive. Yeah. And so we would take a little walk or bike and go to a brewery. And I swear to God, I drank more beer in like, like September than I did the entire past two years combined just because I was like oh breweries yay fun gonna go sit outside and you know but now I'm kind of over that play shuffleboard or cornhole or board games or (laughs) (laughs) whatever hipster activity they have at the particular brewery right Uh, number five on the list is vegan cuisine gets decadent so we talked already about plant-based eating uh, becoming more and more popular but now it's being embraced by places um, as exclusive as like 11 Madison Park which is switched to a completely plant-based menu um, Alinea has a plant-based tasting menu mm-hmm. option available um, yeah it's it's having its moment anything to say on that <laughs> I don't know I just think that's so dumb like people have been vegetarians and vegans for forever and now it just it's dumb to me because now they're gonna jump on that train i don't know i'm hey it's never too late uh, yeah well and then you're gonna charge people an arm and a leg for it i don't know is is elevated cuisine i have no problem with that yeah good for them I'm 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 just gonna be like salty about it. I don't know. I think it's dumb. Why Why do you necessarily think vegan or vegetarian food has to be like inexpensive and not like fancy or I elevated? D- mm, I don't think it. I don't. I'm. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, that's not what I'm saying at but all. You're poo pooing like the places that are embracing that and switching to that. I just think it's bullshit that like finally they're hopping on this trend when before they're like meat, 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 bacon, bacon, bacon. Like it's stupid. But I don't think in the case of a place like 11 Madison Park that their motivations are like hopping on a trend. I mean, they're smart business people that have been around forever. So they must have thought that they could do it in a way that would still keep them profitable and popular and keep the doors open. 
Wow. Um, and maybe at the same time, like showing people that that kind of cuisine can be elevated and can be like expensive and people would pay, you know, a premium for that. Sure. And, I'm sure. But I'm, I mean, I will never pay a month's rent for well, but would there. you if it I was based No, absolutely yeah. not. So you're probably so, not the, the target demographic for it. I don't know. It's just my opinion. It's not Victoria's changing. contrary over there. I'm not being fucking contrary. <laughs> not. I love you. I appreciate you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're the best. Yeah, I know I am. You want to talk number six? Because this is right up your wheelhouse. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, nostalgic cocktails. Um, the espresso martini was back big time uh and i have been actually making a lot of them everything old is new again yes it is uh i'm sure cosmopolitans are right up there too negronis too negronis although i feel that's like more of like in the classic wheelhouse like manhattans and like regular martinis hey do you think there's hope for a harvey wallbanger do you think that's gonna make a comeback I don't know. I don't even know what is in a Harvey Wallbanger. Vodka, Galliano, and orange juice. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's basically like a screwdriver. With what some, is Galliano? It's like a liqueur that's like... Is it hazelnut? And I think it's like anise. I know it's got vanilla. I thought it was hazelnut, it. maybe. No. Oh, okay. No. There's some hazelnut liqueur that's in this big brown bottle. I can't remember what it is. Frangelico? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I know my of. brown bottle liqueurs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Impromptu quiz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, espresso martini was the drink of 2021. Oh, it was? Yeah. Is this like some scientific? Oh, I don't know if there was like an actual like poll done or something. <laughs> someone just... All someone, you had to do is turn on the TV and I'm sure... Someone just like, proclaimed it. I'm sure some real housewife was drinking it or something. I mean, it's, it's, no, uh, the people on below deck Mediterranean, Mediterranean drink the espresso martinis. There you go. The housewives drink, um, they drink Tito's with lots of lime and a splash of, uh, club soda. Well, I can't believe I know this. Good for them. I can't believe, Bless like, them. I can tell you what the real housewives drink. You know, it's number seven on the list. Uh, Air fryers. Air fryers. I felt like we were kind of early to this too because we had one like for a few years now. No, I feel like that is something that was really, that got really popular a few years ago too. Well. I don't know. uh, Time stands still in the, in the age of the pandemic. Yeah. Everything seems like it's forever ago. Uh, But yeah, air fryers, big fans. Uh, You know, think of it as like. We were able to, with with the uh, model that we have, the Ninja Foodie, uh, with the air fryer feature, we were able to get rid of our pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept our rice cooker only because there's been enough times when we've had a batch of rice going and then had something else different going in the air fryer Slow cooker. Got rid of the slow cooker, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it replaced several appliances and that air fryer feature is worth it for the price of admission alone. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have a convection oven, you can do like air fryer in your oven because that's basically what it is. Yep. Um, Our oven that, we had our oven replaced after we moved into this apartment and it actually, it has a convection oven 
setting and there's actually like a large air fryer basket in there too yes, there is so fried gonna, chicken for everyone right do a whole big mess of it in one batch let's talk number eight all right uh viral food videos um such as the baked feta pasta which we actually made and it was very delicious yep. um the whip uh, DeLonga coffee. Which was not so delicious. Oh, so gross. It was so disgusting. Um, well, and then there's all those other like horrible TikTok videos where someone will make shit on their countertop. They'll just, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they'll just dump a bunch of like, uh, like refried beans, queso, blah, just everything on their directly on their countertop and then uh, they'll like mix it around with a bench scraper and be like this is my giant burrito it's so just stomach churning huh i i don't i don't I'm sorry I, I missed out on that don't be tiktok it's kind of like the garbage can of the internet <laughs> yes it is. all right and then lastly uh Special meals get redefined. So this would be um, kind of a consequence of the pandemic where maybe you get a special like multi-course like picnic basket type meal from a Michelin starred restaurant. Maybe you have like an online cook along session with a celebrity chef. Uh Um, Maybe you get like a meal kit from your favorite spot across the country. So I think everyone's trying to figure out how to navigate the new normal, so to speak. And they're realizing that there's things you can do that don't require you to just be like in your kitchen seven days a week. Yeah. And you can, you know, make some money and be profitable and probably have a little bit uh, less stress in your life by doing some of these things. And at the same time, being safe and, you know, all that stuff. So anything else on that? Uh, No. All right. I don't think so. Good talk. Yes. Uh, Let's move on to the show topic. Okay. This was a good one. Uh, If you could only eat one food or meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? And we got a lot of good suggestions. So thank you for that. Uh, Melissa G said apples. I mean, definitely nutritious. If if one a day keeps the doctor away, <laughs> does like three or four a day do anything bad for you? I don't think so. Just make you make you hate apples. I think. But I think you'd seriously be lacking in like other like See, some. That's the problem. Is like, yeah. what do you choose where you'd get like enough nutrition to not have some serious health consequences? Oh, I could think of plenty of things. All right, we'll get to your answer in a second. Okay. Uh, our friend Joseph P said broiled salmon with bucatini and pesto. Bucatini is the superior pasta, by yeah. the way, and. I mean, that's nutritious right there. Sure, it is. Um. Oh, our our friend Dave Anania, a.k.a. Mr. Multicourse over here. Listen to, the, <laughs> listen to this. You, you ask him for one thing, and he's got to, like, come up with, like, a, a, a multicourse tasting menu. Right. He's like, appetizer, cold sesame noodles with Sichuan chili paste or sriracha. Um, main course, uh, chipino, which is, like, a fish stew, fish stew. That sounds good. Fish. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> clearly I cannot talk. Um, and dessert is molten lava chocolate cake with bourbon vanilla ice cream. Ooh, he's going the way back, like early 90s cuisine. Now, I assume like that kind of meal would also require like a steady workout regimen so you don't weigh like 600 pounds. Right. <laughs> if that's all you're eating every day. <laughs> uh, our friend Deanne K said beef jerky. Whoa. Diving right in. I think my Diving jaw. right into the deep end. I think my jaw would be very sore after a while. It would be strong. Like I developed I develop some TMJ yep. going on. Um, Mimi M said pizza. Which I can see because there's no there's no rule that you can't uh, um, mix up the toppings. And I assume that it's something good, not like Little Caesars every day. Right? No, no, no one wants the five dollar hot and ready. Uh, Mike T said a dirty, dirty martini and bruschetta. I think it's bruschetta. Bruschetta. If we're, if we're being like <laughs> accurate, uh, yeah, I can I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riker W. Hi, Riker. Uh, said pizza. Another vote for pizza. Mm-hmm. This was an interesting one. Um, at Lisa Egerton said peach cobbler. That's very specific. <laughs> Dessert every day. Peach cobbler. <laughs> I love it. Um, Angela Luru. Hi, Lou. Uh, said shishito peppers. Well, that would make things interesting. Yep. And unpredictable. And then, then you you get to be like, okay, when's the hot one coming? Yep. Well, we ate some the other night, and I swear I had like four or five hot ones. I didn't get any. They were all on my plate. Roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Shelly KVD said pasta carbonara. Yes, I co-sign. I can get behind that. Yes. Gimme Meatloaf said tacos, no question. I mean, that's another one where you could just go crazy with the different ingredients and make things interesting so you're not eating the same thing all the time. And then, uh, oh, this next one's very, very heartfelt and very sweet. It's so sweet. You want to read it? Oh, sure. Go for it. Um, Well, first of all, she has a very nice message. She says, hi, Johnny and Victoria. I recently discovered your podcast. You guys make it so fun. I listen while I paint. Uh, if I could only eat one food meal, it would probably be pho. Uh, looking forward to hearing yours. And that's another one where you could just go crazy with the ingredients mm-hmm. and uh, mix it up. Yep. Uh, and that's at Grace Lane Smith. Yes. Heart. Yes. Smith Art. Smith Art. Yes. Um, and at Beth's cookbook review said a sandwich and salad because I can make it in all different ways. Smart. That's using the old bean. Yep. Look at the big brain on breath. <laughs> uh, what'd you have? Uh, mine would be ramen. Okay. For that reason, you can make it however. Sure. So, yeah. What, what about you? Do you know what mine is? Pizza. Nope. Tacos. Nope. Uh, me. Nope. What? What, what's the one thing every time we have it, I'm like, I could eat this every day. Because we just had one like not too long ago within the last week or so. Fruit and cheese board. Oh, or yeah. Or charcuterie board or, you know, like I, it doesn't even have to have meat necessarily. But if there's like some cured meats on there, I'll take it. Okay. Look but, at me. I'm like <laughs> naming. I, my next guest was going to be Reuben. <laughs> I mean, I like a good Reuben. I don't know if I'd want to eat that the, the rest of my life. But uh, yeah, I figured a, a fruit and cheese board. I was, I was trying to think of this in terms of what could I... 
mix up enough so that I don't get sick of it. And also what would probably give me like a full yes. nutrition so that, uh, you know, so, you know, fruit, veggies, cheese, nuts, crackers, bread. There you go. All that kind of stuff. Smart thinking. Yep. All right. Should we dive into this book? Let's do it. Yvette von Boeven. <laughs> All right. So this is part of her popular homemade series. There's probably about six or seven books in this uh, collection. Mm-hmm. This is the most recent one. Um, we've done previous ones. We've enjoyed them. Um, this has a focus on simple, uh, somewhat easy preparation, although everything is made from scratch mm-hmm. without sacrificing flavor. Um Fittingly, the book is free from any extraneous material and contains only five chapters. Morning, afternoon, dinner time, dessert, and our favorite, for your pets. <laughs> and then within those chapters, there's some different subcategories that kind of break it down further into like specific types of meals. But there's over 400 recipes in this book. It also contains some adorable illustrations by Yvette herself and her husband, uh, Oof, Vicheron, is that right? Uh, Vicheron? I'm, I'm not Dutch. Vicheron. Yes. Uh, he, he's the photographer. So it's a, it's a family affair. Um, a lot to digest in this book. It, it's, no a, it's a dense one. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what we made, give okay. broad strokes, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more detail about it and give our sure readings. thing. All right, uh, we we started with a Brussels sprout salad, um, uh, apple Brussels sprout apple salad with Parmesan. Uh, we did a red lentil soup, uh, little chicken bones, which are not actual chicken bones. Uh, Bean salad with crunchy halloumi chips and red jalapeno dressing. And appetizer wreath with brie, dried fruits, and nuts. Lovely. Yes. Let's uh, talk about this Brussels sprout dish. All right. Um, So basically, it's shaved Brussels sprouts, um, some shallot, garlic, mustard, vinaigrette, um, we used our cute little handheld mandolin mm-hmm. to shave those Brussels sprouts. Watch your fingers. Use the guard. <laughs> um, then it gets a little bit of lettuce, uh, some apple and Parmesan, and some sesame seeds you, for you a ma- little... You massage it yes. into the Brussels sprouts, which uh, makes them a little bit tender. Yeah, like what you would do with a kale salad. It's slightly like- horny. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, this one I thought was okay. Like it didn't, it didn't like blow my hair back or anything. It, it's a, it's a simple lunch. We, you know, you could have it for dinner because it's substantial enough. Um, yeah, I didn't mind it. Well, I mean, I didn't either, but I wasn't like, woo. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, the next thing we did was a red lentil soup, which I thought was freaking delicious. Yeah. And, and it, it offers was, you different options for customizing it. Mm-hmm, and it was really, really simple. Um, basically it, it's pretty straightforward. It's, uh, onions, carrots, and cumin. They're sauteed. That gets a little garlic and paprika, along with some honey and some red wine vinegar for acid. Um, 
lentils go in there, some hand-crushed tomatoes. You buy whole tomatoes in the can. Yeah, so this was kind of a new suggestion in the book. It was actually accompanied by this cute little illustration, and she has a you know a whole page devoted to it. But um, if you live in a climate like ours, mm-hmm. where tomatoes are not in season year-round, you're better off... I mean, we, we already knew that you're better off buying canned in yeah. those situations or cherry tomatoes. But what I guess I hadn't considered is you're better off buying the whole tomatoes because they're going to be a little bit more flavorful. Mm-hmm. And then you can just like crunch those up with your hand, which is strangely kind of satisfying. <laughs> or you can just, you know, mash them up with a with the back of a spoon. But rather than getting like diced tomatoes or crushed tomatoes... Which is our preference. Yeah. Until we got to this book. Now I just buy the cans of tomatoes for that reason. Yeah. So thanks, Yvette. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So the tomatoes uh, get added. It simmers for like uh, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, Long enough to watch an episode of The Office, perhaps. And then it gets topped with... Yogurt and chorizo or bacon. We topped it with bacon. Um, it was really flavor packed. Yeah. Loved it. Great comfort food. Um, a little bit of bread on the side mm-hmm. or something. I would definitely make this one again. Yep. Hey, let's talk little chicken bones. Okay. Uh, so these aren't actual chicken bones. They are adorable chicken bone biscuits made from. Not po- made with chicken bones, no. by the way. Made uh, with poached chicken breast, brown rice, and stock. And uh, we made these uh, in December prior to Christmas. And we gave them to our friends that had dogs. And our dog, Olive, approved of them. She was the taste tester. They have to be kept in the fridge or the freezer, though, because of the chicken. Otherwise, they will go bad. Yeah, and it does say that in the recipe. And And I think... I let ours sit out for a few days, and they started to get a little little spotty. So that was that was my so bad. yeah. We ended up chucking some, trying to poison our poor dog, Balmer. Yes. Uh, I don't think they lasted long enough for her to <laughs> like eat moldy ones. She was chomping those things down. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I and there was some cat treats in there. Mm-hmm. And a few, you know, it's not a very large chapter, but there's a few little pet treat things and she's had <laughs> my voice is changing <laughs> it's time for a change yeah. going through puberty at 50 <laughs> sorry um <laughs> she's had uh pet treats in previous yeah. homemade books too so continuation of that we enjoy it yeah we have to say thanks for that yep. it's, it's a nice little extra touch let's talk bean salad with crunchy halloumi chips <laughs> crunchy halloumi chips and red jalapeno dressing. All right. Um, so everyone, anyone who listens to us knows by now we love halloumi. We like that. A favorite. Uh, yep. That satisfying squeak in your teeth and you can sear it so it gets n- nice and brown. Um, so what you do for this is you thinly slice the halloumi and sear it. Uh, so they kind of turn into like chips. Yeah, that was kind of a new technique because normally we slice them into more like kind of planks or something. Yeah, and it's it's just like this nice little salty addition. Um, the base for the salad is orzo pasta and um, fava beans. We I think fava beans are a big pain in the ass. 
Um, so we bought we bought like the shelled fava the fa- frozen fava beans that were shelled already. If you're a glutton for punishment, though, she does have a an illustration on how tutorial to do it. in there that she drew up. How to double shell fava beans? Ugh, one Knock of the yourself out. one of the restaurants that I worked at had fava beans in a dish, and just doing it day in day out. It's one of those day. things that you just do a few times. And yeah, don't feel the need to ever do it again. Yeah. Um, oh, and in addition to the favas, uh, there were peas and green beans. Um, so the salad is really substantial. Um, Definitely enough for a dinner. Mm-hmm. And the the dressing is uh, pickled jalapenos with lemon juice and olive oil. And then that adds a little touch of heat. And then there is, it gets finished with mint and lemon zest. Yeah. And that gives a little brightness. Loved it. Mm-hmm. It was good. Uh, let's talk this appetizer wreath with brie, dried fruits, and nuts. So I feel like this would be a good thing to maybe serve at like a brunch or mm-hmm. a little little gathering um i love wreaths they can be quite filling so this appetizer sized wreath you love wreaths yep eat them all the time okay see i would have okay it was my lame attempted humor Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) um you know we were actually like oh god geometry like trying to figure out how to cut this so that you could fold over the flaps because it's it's uh you use a uh, puff pastry dough and you cut out a circle and then you cut some triangles and it's the kind of thing where if someone like told me how to do it, I, my head would explode and I'd be like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. So the finished product looks like a wreath. So it starts by cutting out that circular pattern in the puff pastry and then you score, but don't cut a second circle in the middle of that. And then from there, you have to make these little triangle cuts, which you actually do cut. And then these flaps, these triangle flaps, get kind of folded back over the ingredients after you assemble this wreath. So when it's done, it's this circular wreath with these little flaps of pastry over the top of it. It looks like a wreath. <laughs> and the filling... It's, cute. it's adorable. <laughs> yes, sure it is. Um, and the filling is uh, mango chutney, brie, pistachios, dried figs, and apricots. See, and here's me. I would have done it the lazy bastard way. I would have uh, taken the puff pastry, set a wheel of brie on there, put all those ingredients on top of the brie, and then covered the brie and baked it. Oh, and just instead left the of puff faffing pastry. around with like the cutting and folding. Math. And, yeah. So. I hear you. Well, but and, it was delicious. And there were several variations within the book that, uh, and and that's kind of typical for this book is there'd be a, a kind of a base recipe, and then there'd be like several variations that were kind of offered. Uh, depending on maybe what you had on hand or just what appealed to you. So we just chose this one with the mango chutney, brie, pistachio, dried figs, and apricots. But you could certainly like... Oh, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to strictly adhere to those uh, ingredients. Um, Oh, my legs asleep. Pins and needles. Pins and needles. 
Have some shrub. You'll be okay. No, and my glass is empty. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything. Do you want, do you want me to pause this? My world is you, just imploding I, right now. Let me cry about Tori it. Tori gets really nasty when she runs out of shrub. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've reached the ranking portion of the show. We're just about ready to put you out of your misery, listeners. We're almost done. <laughs> we're on the home stretch. Then we're, then we're going to go watch... Uh, Something we we finished Cheer on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the the McDonald's of reality TV. It's it's a good like guilty pleasure garbage. Oh, I don't feel guilty. Watch. It's not a guilty pleasure for me. I will fully admit I watched it it's and a junk I food watch. and I loved it. Yep. Um, All right, so let's start with food photography and styling. I gave it a five. Mm-hmm. Okay the the photos are gorgeous. They're all over. They're all over the map. Um, some of the photos are very austere and simple. Like there's a jar of pudding in the morning light. Um, there's like photos of workspaces with ingredients strewn about. Um, like the morning photos were nice and light and bright. Um Lots of photos of outdoor spaces. Lots of outdoor cooking. Lots of landscape. Lots of landscape. Um, and there were some really adorable type photos. Like the intro photo to the soup chapter on one page. You know, it had the title soup. But the photo behind it was a photo of a vet through a window and it was all rainy and you can see her and she's all bundled up. Yep. And then the next page, there's like this big soup pot on the stove. It, it, like the photos definitely set a mood. Yes. They definitely set a mood. Um, there's also some uh, black and white photos too. Um, and this was something that I noticed while we were looking through it. And it, I thought it was very tongue in cheek. Uh, there's a recipe for marshmallows and there was this field with this with these big rolls of something that were covered in pink and they looked like giant marshmallows yeah i don't know if they were like like big rolls of hay like hay bales or if they were like rolls of like some kind of like material or insulation yeah. perhaps or something but yeah you're right they they it was a kind of a whimsical photo because mm-hmm. like it was right next to the marshmallow recipe um but I, and i feel like the photos really did set a tone and like give you a peek into how she lives like she's is she's like in her root cellar chopping wood yes you know or like hanging out with her daughter cooking food out in the woods yep. um and uh th- like the the singular food photos where it was just showing a dish they were very simple um lots of times on a light background or like a darker table or something. Um, there were several overhead shots where people are digging in and mm-hmm. it just seemed very communal and very festive. I loved the photography in this book. Agreed. Loved it. You gave it a five? I gave it a five. I gave it a five as well. Uh, we mentioned already that Yvette's husband was the photographer. Um, lots of shadows and dramatic lighting mm-hmm. for the food photos. Uh, very inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, great use of props. It's some great p- 
props and the props were all were used in by props I'm referring to like the flatware, the linens, the different objects that were in the photo and they create texture and they kind of set this mood and all of these photos kind of as a whole evoke this kind of leisurely rural lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so- it sounds to me like they must live in Ireland mm-hmm. and specifically like Cork, Cork. Um, because there's a lot of countryside photos and landscape photos. There's this adorable photo of their dog Huey, a Parson Russell Terrier. Oh, this dog is so who cute. is like mid stride. Oh, co- flying down yes. a hill that's on a path. And I know exactly what like one you're so talking about. Ah. Joyful, second cutest dog in the world, next to our dog Olive. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just really sets this tone. Um, it kind of transports you right there. Uh, it it kind of makes you. It's like. It's kind of like lifestyle photography without like all the flash. Like to me, that it, like I'm like I want to live that. Yeah. You know, rather than you know, there are photo, there are like some books where everyone's so glamorous and they're hanging out and you know, full faces of makeup and I mean, cool. That's if that's how you live. Yeah. You this know, is a little. Less fussy yeah. than that. It's like, seriously, I'm just like, can we move there? Can yes. we can we live like that, please? All right. All Anything right. Anything else on that? No. Design and layout. Um, I gave it a four. It's, I feel like I could give it a five. Okay, here's... here. <laughs> yeah, I'll I give it a five. You. Okay. So, Johnny already kind of covered this. There's five sections... Um, there's an in you know it starts with like an in, like an index and then there's like morning afternoon dinner time desserts and pets but there are also subsections in there um so and this is where they get more specific yes like you've got the book in front of you so you can read off some of the subsections for the subsections like for morning there's um baked breakfast fresh breakfast eggs for breakfast for like the afternoon section there's tea bites non-alcoholic drinks cocktail snacks and cocktails so cocktails in the morning section no cocktails too early for that apparently i'm i'm perfectly happy that they did them in the in the afternoon time though yeah um good call and like dinner time there's like vegetables and fruits um pastas and grains uh yeah so Oh, bless you. Our dog is sneezing over there. <laughs> um, what else do I have to say? Um, oh, and the the chapter beginnings, what I really like about it is every single recipe is listed on the first page of the chapter, and it's all in white um, block, capital letters. Mm-hmm. And within there, they have the subsections listed in the same lettering, but in red. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cr- the dinner time one is crazy because it is like from top to bottom, two pages. Um, what else? Uh, there's how-to illustrations. Uh, there's there, like there's no hard and fast layout for the recipe formatting on the pages. 
Um, but the top of the page, and I don't know if you notice this, the very at the very top of the page, it'll say like summer or winter yes. or spring. So it denotes like what what season the, this particular recipe is good for. Yes. Um, rather I have that than in my notes. rather than being divided into summer recipes, spring recipes. Right. Um, and there's some that were suitable year round, mm-hmm. depending on the availability of the ingredients. And then there were some that were very specific yes. to a season. And the recipes had a prep time, a cook time, servings. And then there were two different indexes. There was an index by ingredient and then index by um, recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, very thoughtful and, and kind of useful book and, and just easy to navigate and i feel like the page was used very well without being like crowded and hard to look at yes you can tell this wasn't her first cookbook right um what did you give it i gave it a five as well okay uh for many of the reasons that you mentioned i love the illustrations and the and the tutorials there's things like peeling stone fruits uh, we mentioned the shelling the fava beans or making pasta. And so she really went crazy with the uh, illustrations mm-hmm. and, and, and they're very, they're very cute. Uh, a lot of information in there. And those are just kind of scattered all within the pages. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I say? Uh, each chapter, I don't know if you notice this, has like a double page photo of a different kitchen that's kind of overflowing mm-hmm. with different uh, gear and utensils. And it, it looks like a working kitchen. It yeah. looks like a rural countryside cabin, uh, rural kitchen with just, you know, utensils scattered everywhere, pots and pans stacked up everywhere. The stove is, you know, looks like it's got years of uh, meals permanently etched into it. Which, again, evokes to me like, oh, I want to go there. Yes. Um, just a very lovely book to look at. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you, you really could just sit down with this and just page through it um, in addition to cooking from it and really be entertained. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Uh, degree of difficulty. I gave it a 2.5. Okay. Nothing, in, nothing is difficult in here, mm-hmm. but literally everything is from scratch yes there's no uh use homemade or store-bought tortillas no you're gonna make your tortillas there's Um, no opening cans or jars yeah unless Um, it's a jar of something that you pickled or preserved yeah Uh, you know so i get how that might be intimidating for someone they'd be like you know like what i can't make my own tortillas or you know uh, like there's syrups, there's teas. I think it has the appearance of being maybe intimidating to some, but it's really not that difficult. Right. It's just, it does add time to the recipes and, and probably forces you to have some of these things on hand um, and, and plan ahead. Well, and even if you're looking at like the recipe prep times and cook times, um, they're, they're not that excessive. Like they're not, there's, I feel like really there's nothing that is something that you're like, oh, I got to make that on a Saturday because I need all this time to do it. Right. Um, yeah. So this book has over 400 recipes, like we said. So I think it really just depends on the individual recipes because there's some things like some smoothies and shakes and stuff that were in there that were literally like four or five ingredients and you could throw together in five minutes 
there might be some other things that require a little bit more advanced prep and time and you know all that stuff so yeah i give it a three okay so for that for that reason okay um would you give it for taste uh five okay yeah uh this one was so close to being on my year-end top 10 list and if i was to sit down and compile it now i probably would have like put this one in there because it it was really fun to go with this book we worked through in december i believe Mm -hmm. at the beginning of december so it was really fun to go and revisit this and reacquaint myself with it and i think if i was to make the top 10 list it would be in there so i'll I'll give it an honorable mention for 2021 okay uh i i enjoyed everything we made i think we could easily go in and you know choose any of the other 400 recipes and have a similar experience i gave it a four just because of that brussels salad right but i think i mean there are any number of other recipes that we could have made where i would have been like this is awesome you know like this blows me away and it would have ended up being a five so i mean it probably should be a five but there was the one thing that i was just kind of mar on but fair so but i mean also there are so many recipes in this book that i want to make i think this is another one where if someone was kind of you know comfortable in the kitchen they don't maybe have a a, a large cookbook collection but they're looking to kind of expand and and uh do some different things like this would be a great one to give to people just because of the sheer volume of of stuff and diversity of of so i mean there's a whole section like you said on tortillas for crying out loud where you make them yourself and then there's all these different recipe ideas for like what to put on those tortillas so you're making like tostadas and tacos and these kind of open face you know tortilla dishes and these different ingredients so it's just like if you really wanted to like expand your dinner options um you could do a lot worse yeah this and, book. and the good thing about this book is like it is not um cuisine specific like it doesn't lean to like you know like thai food or right. mexican food or you know swedish food it's like this kind of it's kind of elements of all of those yes. things within the pages mm-hmm. depending on the recipe yeah all right all right well if you enjoyed the show please rank and review uh you can follow us on our socials uh our instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and our first facebook is at we cook books all right you know what time it is joke time i'm I'm feeling a little under the weather so be gentle okay all right here we go uh have you heard about this company that they're offering beef from cows that have been fed a steady diet of cannabis it's uncertain at this point whether this is going to be something that's going to take off, but you might say the stakes are quite high. <laughs> right? Sure. That's a good one? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Uh, everyone have a great week. Be safe. Wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay hungry also. <laughs> In addition. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.